0: to the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Today's episode is, I think it's episode three of the Nate and Hannah series. Um, obviously, you know, back by popular demand. So today, we wanted to talk about three topics. However, we were a little short on time. We also talked way too much, and so we got to two topics. Um, so what we ended up being able to talk about is stretching. What is stretching? What does stretching actually do? Um, Is it beneficial? Are there any negative effects? Is there something that we could be doing more efficiently? Um, You can kind of assume where we're going with that one. A little bit about like mobility and some like locked up ankle solutions. And then we got to talk about rice. Um, So rice is the current, you know, like what they teach you you should do if you have an acute injury, which is rest, ice, compression, and elevation. Obviously, if you can, um, if you know anything about us, we kind of bash that a little bit and just talk about other things that you could be doing um, that may be more beneficial and may further strengthen your recovery process and so we actually came up with a new acronym acronym it's pretty great super scientific and really easy to remember so we hope you enjoy as always thanks for listening What's up everyone? We are back. I have Dr. Nate Jones with me. It is 9 a.m. and Nate is struggling to be awake right now. This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast. We are back by popular demand. So today we are talking about rice, not jasmine rice, but rest, ice, compression, elevation. We are discussing knee valgus, um, which is also known as caving in. We are discussing stretching. What is stretching? What does it really do? What is mobility? What should you do for your jacked up ankles? That was a question I got on Instagram. And then we are also discussing, what is the other thing we're discussing? I think that's it, right? I think that's it. Yeah, who knows what we'll we'll talk about We'll get into something, yeah. Okay, so we wanted to talk about stretching. So, patient comes into PT and they're like, yeah, you know, I've had this pain for a while and um, I just want you to give me some stretches. And I'm like, oh, well, like, let me blow your mind. Um, because that's actually probably not what I'm going to give you. Yeah. So let's dive into that. What What is... Why did stretching get this, like... It's like um, the new, like, turmeric, right? Everyone thinks that yeah. like, turmeric is going to, like, solve their problems. Like, everyone yeah. thinks, like, stretching is, like, the solution. Like, oh, I just need to stretch more.
1: Mm-hmm. So you- I think there's just a really long history of, uh, like, before we knew... Modern anatomy and physiology stuff of like hey stretch to like lengthen and stuff like that and this it's not bad Right, so stretching feels good and that's kind of why it's Unless you like really aggressively stretch And that's why it's kind of lasted this long because it does legitimate. like you stretch out you're like, oh I feel kind of nice um it Desensitizes things. So if you uh, Have shoulder pain you kind of stretch out your shoulder your shoulder may hurt a little bit less after but that's not necessarily different than any other modality we use right in regards to like you know, stem, dry needling, scraping, cupping, whatever. Um, and I I think the way to look at stretching generally in a PT clinic, because we're not going to, usually we're not going to be seeing someone for like nine months to a year. So there are chronic effects of stretching where you do improve flexibility over time. Um, there may be some small tissue changes, although that, I think that's under debate whether or not that really happens with stretching, but you can improve flexibility. Um because your it makes your nervous system a little bit less um prone to guarding at the end ranges of where your muscles can stretch to. So let me see, let me think. So basically in your muscles you have like these two uh Proteins that are like these big long, long lines, these are two we ropes.
0: Talk about
1: yeah, talking about some sarcomeres. Yeah, some cross bridging. Sarcomeres. Um, sarcomers. 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 Um, but basically, like these two ropes pull on each other. One pulls on the other rope, and your muscle shortens. Or when you stretch it out, these ropes have to like set, like go past each other and lengthen out. And at a certain point, your nervous system, at a certain point of that stretch, is going to say, "Hey, I don't want the muscle to lengthen anymore because." Um, this could be potentially dangerous or this and it's probably not dangerous but it could potentially be or you can't produce force when these when these two ropes are too far apart from each other and so your nervous system stops your muscle from being able to extend past that basically and so when you chronically stretch you desensitize your brain to that end range stretch on the muscle and you allow those ropes to go a little bit further past each other so that may improve uh range of motion on a on a large scale looking at your body. So you stretch your hamstring chronically and eventually you can like touch your toes without too much of an issue if you couldn't touch your toes before. It doesn't mean anything about about the muscles has changed. There I, I do think it is, and, and so in most physical therapy clinics, you know, we're seeing someone for eight to twelve weeks generally, maybe, maybe less, maybe more, but most of the effects of stretching in that time period are going to be purely that neural base. So like you're it's desensitizing your brain, it's your brain being okay with the muscles Lengthening a little bit lower, more, and you're not creating any tissue change in that time period of stretching. And even over the course of like a year, kind of questionable how much of an actual tissue change is happening. I do think it's worth looking at stretching as um, a load, also, though. So, like stretching your hamstrings still puts a load through your hamstrings, just like doing a deadlift would. It's just a very low load compared to what a deadlift would be. Um, and so, especially with like more current. Um, like muscle growth research, like what stimulates muscles to grow right now, it looks like a really big stimulus for that is loading at an end range of what a muscle can stretch to what a joint can get to. And so there is probably some and I know there are there is in some animal studies, um, there is a little bit of a hypertrophy stimulus with with like a pretty significant stretch. And so maybe over a really long period of time, you do see a little bit of muscle growth from chronic stretching, but it's probably it's such a small effect that it's not going to compare to even just a few weeks of actual lifting weights. So right? it's like so.
0: not using your time wisely.
1: Yeah, exactly. Unless you really need that increased flexibility. And even then I would argue there's probably better ways to get there Yeah. for, the, for most things.
0: So, yeah. Okay. So if you have full, you know, what's considered full range of motion for mm-hmm. your demands, mm-hmm. is there, like, why do people think that they need to have their muscles lengthen? You know, people are like, oh, let's yeah. lengthen and strengthen. Why do, what is the benefit of being able to stretch and get into these like funky positions mm-hmm. unless you, unless that's one of your goals?
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get in funky positions, like, like go for it. Is but, there
0: a downside to stretching? So, so
1: yes. So acutely there is So, so upsides, a lot of people want to say that, um, stretching decreases injury risk and it really doesn't seem to, um, like it's, it's pretty neutral in regards to injury risk um there's uh oh man there's a few studies i think in the military looking at um the most flexible recruits versus the least flexible recruits versus like the middle group recruits like chris gregory talks about this mm-hmm. i think in this our professor in uh, at meoc and the least flexible and the most flexible recruits both had an increased injury risk in in boot camp oh. but that's not looking at the effects of stretching that's looking at flexibility and like so, so there was no intervention there. It's a cross-sectional study, right? So it's not looking at people who started stretching and then decreased injury risk. It's just looking at where they are flexibility-wise at that time. And like potentially maybe the more flexible people are stretching more, but we don't really know. Um, probably not. So uh, downsides to it are that if you stretch really, really hard for um, like a couple minutes, basically right before you exercise, you're going to decrease acute power output. So you're going to decrease... Um, basically the amount of force you can produce with your muscles. And that, that may partially be, um, because like a stretch is ischemic, a stretch simulates a little bit of like that loading, right? So if you, if you lift something heavy, you probably can't lift something as heavy again immediately after that. If you stretch really, really hard, you're probably not going to be able to, um, create as much power output immediately after that. Um, it, it, it is a pretty short term deficit. So like if you wait, 20, 25 minutes or whatever. And it may even be shorter than that. I'm not sure in the exact numbers, but you're probably going to be able to create power output again. So um, aggressive stretching right before an activity where you need to be strong and fast, probably not a great idea. Just do a dynamic warm up or something like that where you're, where you're moving and sweating a little bit and actively working through ranges of motion versus like static holds. So
0: that Um, also shows that the effects of stretching are not mm long-term. You know, if I stretch for 30 seconds to a minute, Unless I, quote-unquote, load those new ranges, Mm -hmm. then I might not save it. Like, it might not stick,
1: right? Yeah. Or, like, I mean, if you chronically stretch for, like, 6 to 12 months, you're probably going to have increased range of motion. But it's not necessarily due to tissue changes. Yeah. It's just due to nervous system being okay with.
0: How do we know... The difference, you know, how do we know if mm-hmm. someone makes changes because of their nervous system? Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's always nervous system, like yeah, to some extent. Or how do we know if it's actually like a muscle length
1: yeah problem? So we we probably don't care all that much, I guess, functionally. But there yeah. is research looking at um, stretching, and there's research at looking at lifting through a full range of motion like low like aggressively loading um into end range stretch but not a static hold right so like doing like romanian deadlifts or something for your hamstrings where you like go through a full fall. yeah and that actually creates more um physical muscle length so muscles are made up of these so those those ropes that i was talking about earlier are contained within these like little cylinders that go end-to-end called sarcomeres and muscles are made up of these sarcomeres in series just a whole bunch of them end-to-end and when you chronically lift through a full range of motion, you actually get more sarcomeres in series, um, kind of down that muscle. Length. And it's it like the muscles look a little more complex than that. They're kind of like interwoven webs yeah. basically, but like you, so muscles do physically lengthen by lifting through a full range of motion, like loading heavy through that full range of motion versus just chronically stretching. So that's probably the, I don't know, I don't know how much of a difference it would make necessarily. Uh, like just on a macro scale, like, do we care that much? Maybe. So, uh, I'm going to go off on a tangent. Sorry. All right. Sorry. right. All right. So, <laughs> so there's something called the force velocity curve with muscles where, um, the, the faster a muscle is contracting, the faster that muscle is shortening, the less actual force it can produce. Um, and that's basically due to the, the ropes I was talking about earlier can't pull on each other quite as efficiently when you're doing a really fast contraction velocity. Um, so if you have totally making up numbers and there's way more sarcomeres in series in this, but if you have a hundred sarcomeres in series that make up the length of a muscle at any given whole muscle contraction velocity. So say it's contracting at 50 miles per hour, making oh, up numbers. Wow. again, I don't know. I don't know how fast muscles contract. <laughs> it's probably in like centimeters per second or so. I don't know. Um, but anyway, say it's contracting at 50 miles per hour. And, um, so that means each of those hundred sarcomeres has to be contracting, At a certain speed to make up that whole muscle total shortening velocity, right? If you have 150 sarcomeres in series and the whole muscle is contracting at 50 miles per hour, then each of those sarcomeres in series has to contract 30% slower than, than the 100 sarcomeres in series to make up that 50 miles per hour total. And so that means that it's on a better place. Everyone's asleep at this point. Sorry. No, no. It means is that so it means that longer muscle is at a better place on the force-velocity curve at any given whole muscle contraction speed, and so it should theoretically be stronger. So a longer muscle is stronger, but you don't get a longer muscle by stretching necessarily. You get it by lifting through a full range of motion.
0: Oh man, I'm like trying to process what you just said. Sorry. Ahead. Yeah. So if you have a hundred sarcomeres. Mm-hmm. They have to contract at a slower speed to meet this fifty miles per hour. Yeah, if they're if, okay. if
1: a longer muscle and a shorter muscle are both contracting at fifty yes. miles per hour, like more sarcomeres and less sarcomeres, then the one with less sarcomeres, each sarcomere has to be contracting faster in oh, order to okay. hit that fifty miles per hour.
0: So you Okay. So you we want so it's
1: weaker at that fifty miles per hour. Yes. Yeah.
0: So there is a benefit to having more sarcomeres. Yes,
1: in series. But we're
0: not getting that by stretching.
1: Yeah, probably not.
0: We're getting that by loading it. There, there the
1: could range. be. Um, there, I couldn't find any really great research on There is some research in animal models, so they, like, take birds and they... um oh splint their wings on an N-range stretch. And, like, they actually get a lot of muscle growth that way, too. But how
0: long are they there? Like,
1: six weeks. Yeah. Exactly. Like, we can't do that to humans. So,
0: exactly. Like, let me, like, splint you so where you can't move, Mm -hmm. or let me give you something way more effective and potent, and it's strength training, like, Mm -hmm. at those ranges. Yeah. And that's what we're saying. It's like, oh, we have, like, a better way of doing this. And, like, you say it all the time, like, strength training is the cheat code for tissue capacity Mm -hmm. in many senses. So... Okay, everyone also says, that we talk about it too, like mm-hmm. loading is what is going to make the change. Like, mm-hmm. what is the definition of loading? Because if stretching to an extent is loading, mm-hmm. then like, is it an active loaded position? Is it me putting a kettlebell on my knee and trying to put my knee over my toes, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like, what is loaded? Is it simply adding load?
1: Yeah, I think it's lo- worth looking at like a continuum of... of Mm-hmm. Everything as loading, right? So you put an astronaut in space and they have no gravity and they lose bone density and muscle mass rapidly, like really, really fast within a few weeks. It's crazy, like worse than being on bed rest. Um mm-hmm. so that's just the load of being alive on Earth, right? Like you there's always some load stress of being yeah. here. Just the stress <laughs> of 2020. Existential load. Yeah. Um so you stretch a muscle, you you put you're stretching something, you're putting a little bit more load through that. Um, but if you're looking at stimulus adaptation, if we're looking to physically make muscles longer and we're looking at making muscle tissue capacity increase, like making muscles bigger and stronger too, then there has to be enough load to stimulate the cellular signals that lead to that. So like there's there's a molecular pathway called mTOR that really like we kinda have zoned in on as like this is what stimulates muscle growth. When this is triggered, muscle growth happens. And there's there's a few workarounds for it, um, but it's probably the main one. Um, and that really seems to be stimulated mostly by mechanical loading, um, in the research right now. And then I really think metabolic byproducts also play a role. We just don't have as much research on it at this point We're, and part of that is like what are metabolic byproducts, which ones are we looking at, blah, blah, and all that. So, but I think at some point we'll get there. So, um, yeah, so basically like mechanical load is on a continuum and at some point we have to load the area enough in order to stimulate the cellular signals that lead to the muscle getting bigger. Um, and that's not like casual static stretching. That's like lifting something decently heavy between 30% to 90% of your one rep max, um, close to fatigue within a few reps of fatigue to maximally stimulate muscle growth. And that's fairly clear in the research at this point. Like there's been a lot, even like last six, six years, people have really elucidated like that's, that's probably what we're looking at here. So,
0: so the mobility exercise and like every very popular in CrossFit gyms, like you mm-hmm. put your foot on a high box, right? You mm-hmm. put a kettlebell on top of your knee and mm-hmm. you try to get your knee to go as far over your toes as possible. Cause mm-hmm. everybody in a CrossFit gym wants ankle dorsiflexion. They think mm-hmm. it's a solution to all their problems.
1: Yep.
0: Is that a beneficial exercise?
1: So if you're, if you have very limited ankle range of motion and you're going to squat in two minutes and Your squat is so hindered by your range of motion that you'll take a little bit of that decreased power output from your calf, which probably doesn't matter that much, um, in order to gain a little bit of temporary range of motion so that your squat looks better. Then, like, stretch, squat, stretch, squat, like, squat pretty quickly after. Your calf won't be as strong. Calf strength does matter for squats, but probably not that much. And honestly, if you're, like, having such trouble squatting um, because of your ankle range of motion, like, if you're kind of that new to it, then, then maybe... You're not loading enough for the calf strength to matter that much anyway. Um, Then it it probably is. Like you get that temporary nervous system tolerance to increase range of motion. And then you can work – like load that range of motion as it happens. Okay. Um,
0: So it's still considered a stretch. Yeah. It's still like a stretch that you should follow up with using that new range of motion Mm -hmm. to – like train your body to be able to get into that position easier.
1: Yeah, I would argue a better long term fix for that would be just like hanging out in the bottom of a squat, like mm-hmm. with something heavy, or um I like seated seated or standing calf raises off of a deficit, so off of a step or off of a few plates. So you're stretching your calf through an entire full range of motion, and then doing calf raises like that. So you're actually loading heavy enough to stimulate muscle growth, get those sar- extra sarcomeres and series through that through that full range. But what
0: about the knees over toes lunge? It's
1: great. Um, yeah, obviously. I don't, yeah, that one. it definitely like I'm not good enough at it to like make it uh, a super great muscle builder, and I don't think that's the point of it anyway. Yeah. Um, but it definitely, I think it's it's a good uh, warm up movement. It's a good desensitizer, and if you're skilled enough at the movement to load it heavy, then it'll work really well for like knee and ankle mobility. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: So if you have jacked or locked up ankles. The solution is to probably do the loaded, seated, or standing calf raises from a deficit so that you Mm -hmm. load in a full range of motion, Mm -hmm. sit in the bottom of a squat, Mm -hmm. or do the knees over toes lunge with load. Yeah. And you can use
1: the kettlebell stretch or whatever too. Yeah. um, Yeah. Like, if it's the
0: same with stretching, like, if doing that little bit of a stretch, like, allows you to feel good into Mm -hmm. those, like, kind of in ranges where you normally feel tight, quote unquote, like, Mm -hmm. in a workout... If, but it's, it's the same thing as, like, a warm-up, right? So, yeah. exactly. Like, you might also just do some squats. Like, do some overhead squats. Hang mm. out at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So, it's, like, an efficiency thing. Yeah. Or I guess, like, a choice thing. Yeah. Like and I would you want to do.
1: Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Dang it. Um, I, would, I would say, too, for... Like, ankles can be frustrating, right? Because we're constantly walking. And so, it takes a lot of stimulus to change yeah. anything about our ankles. Like, they're already used to a lot of load. And so... Mm being patient with the ankles and then doing very high frequency work towards it. So like once or twice a week, if your ankles really locked up, probably not going to do a whole lot, maybe over the course of like four or five years, you'll see a difference. But if you're trying to get uh, like a decent timeline for actual changes, so you're not waiting five years to be able to squat below parallel, like you probably need to be doing it maybe even a few times a day, just like something, you know, like whether that's a stretch or loading it, like probably a combo. Um, stretch and then load and then stretch and then load, yeah. um, multiple times a day. And then, cause ankles are just going to take a while sometimes. So,
0: I mean, I feel like that would be the case with any joint, mm-hmm. right? Like in order to make these changes, because we know that doing a 30 second to a minute stretch doesn't permanently mm-hmm. lengthen the muscle. Like it has to be this kind of like stretch load, stretch load yep. for a long period of time. Yeah. So when people come to me and they're like, Oh, you know, I feel tight or I feel like I don't have this range of motion. Normally they do have the full range of motion, um, but Mm -hmm. if they don't, I'm like, okay, if you actually really do want to be able to get into this position, Mm -hmm. it takes a long, like it's a commitment of, and it's, it may not actually be what you think you want. Like Mm -hmm. it may just be what you think you need, you know? So on that note, everyone, so this tightness sensation, right? There's been Mm -hmm. a lot of talk about, oh, are you actually weak? Like, is that what the tightness is? Is the tightness just a way of your brain to be like, Hey, get up and move? Because everyone feels tight. It seems like everyone feels pain. I mean, obviously, everyone mm. feels pain. Everyone feels tight. So what is the tightness? Because everyone also thinks that you need to stretch. Mm. Oh, if I'm tight, I need to stretch. But also, like we say it all the time, like a rubber band is tight at the end range. Like you also want your muscles and your IT band to be tight. Like we mm. don't want to be gumby, like loose yeah. gumby walking around. So what, Like, what is this tightness sensation that we're getting?
1: Yeah, so i would argue most of the time tightness is the same thing as pain and we've like kind of talked about that. It. it's just a lesser uh a lesser version of it so when you when you feel tight it's your brain receiving signals from the muscles saying like hey we're stretching and your brain starts to interpret those as okay i'm i'm a little wary about how far we're stretching at this point and i'm going to create this emotion of tightness in order to make you aware of what's going on. So you don't like go willy nilly and and accidentally injure something. Right. And it'll create pain before you get there most of the time. But so that, that vague tightness sensation is your brain making you aware of, of what's happening in the area to try and like protect the area. And so people, and it's not vast majority of the time it's not actual tissue tightness. So like my, my favorite new example of this is I had a ballerina in here a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago. And she's like, my hamstrings are always tight. My hamstrings are always tight. And we tested her passive hamstring range of motion. Like her, she's like, her shin is like touching her forehead with a straight knee. It's yeah. like, oh, my hamstring's so tight. It's like your hamstring is not tight. Like this is, you literally can't move further than this. Your head is in the way. Um, so it's it, the tightness in that case is protective. It's it's your brain saying like, hey, be careful of what you're doing here. And in that case, I would argue the fix for that, if we want to stop feeling tight is to strengthen through whatever range of motion you feel tight in so if your tissue capacity is very very high in that range of motion you're you're really really strong your brain doesn't need to protect it in that range of motion so it's going to make it's not going to make you feel tight and and protective at that point
0: so where did she feel tight
1: her hamstrings like at the end like or the like, entire way through. Yeah. Why? It, was, it was like halfway. It was like from 90 degrees to 180 oh. degrees. Yeah. It was but also
0: like, how do you strengthen with your leg above your head? Like <laughs> super deep,
1: uh, yeah. stiff, like deadlifts, like curls. deficit yeah.
0: deadlifts. Okay. Yeah. So what about people who feel tight when they're sitting? Like, Oh my, my hip flexors feel tight, but they're shortened.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So pretty solid chance. If you can stand up and walk around your hip flexors yeah. are not shortened. Um, but yeah, that's that's part of it, right? So tightness is that protective thing. So we get nociceptive signals, these like free nerve endings detecting mechanical temperature or chemical change. And when you're sitting for a long time, your tissues, whatever, there are tissues in your body that are under this low load just from like existing and sitting. And so when that load starts to reach a point where it could potentially result in tissue damage or like ischemia is starting to build up, like I'm sitting on my butt and, um, my butt cheeks are under load. And so they can't be perfused with blood. Like when it gets to that point of like potentially, maybe it could eventually be dangerous. The nociceptive signals start to increase, say, Hey, there's a, there's a chemical change here. We're not getting as much oxygen. Your brain receives those. And usually without even conscious thought, you don't even consciously interpret these signals. You shift to your left butt cheek and then you shift to your right butt cheek or you're like, you kind of lean back at the waist and, um, And so that that tightness sensation then happens when we're sitting at a desk for five hours and haven't gotten up, and that constant low load has built up to a decent amount of actual tissue stress, a decent amount of strain on the tissue. Um, And so then you start to receive these signals more and more and more and more, and you start to consciously be aware of those. Um, They reach a threshold where now it's like, oh, now I can actually... Be consciously aware of what's happening to my body instead of these like subconscious inputs that I'm that I'm moving How back and forth. Stay in the thumb. same
0: position for five hours.
1: People do. I've done it. I mean, oh man, gosh. during COVID, I like laid on my floor playing video games for like eight hours. I like couldn't stand up after it. Is off. Oh, awesome. but you felt so tight. Yeah, I, so <laughs> I, I did feel really <laughs> tight. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's like it's just your your brain being like, hey, you should move. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the problem of, uh, and like we say this with everything is that people interpret something as either good or bad Mm -hmm. instead of just interpreting it for like what it is. Like it doesn't have to be good or bad tightness in and of itself. is not a bad thing. Yeah, It doesn't mean you need to do, it doesn't mean you need to stretch. I think Mm -hmm. we're interpreting it wrong. It needs, you need to, it means you need to move. Like it is kind of like a call to action to do something. And it's, it's frustrating that our brains are trying to tell us something, but we don't know what it's trying yeah. to tell us, and we well, interpret like, it wrong.
1: Yeah, culturally, we we have these interpretations of things, and that's colored how we try and address the the sensation of tightness, you know, Whoa. and low back pain. We can, oh,
0: yeah, I know. Low back pain
1: is a whole cultural.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I do think, too, like, there's there's probably a difference between, like, chronic tightness that's not position-related. It's like the ballerina, again, like, hamstrings are always tight, but they're not actually, and someone that's sitting for a long time and feels tightness. Yes. And one of those is like, you really probably need to strengthen these. And the other ones you probably just need to move a little bit and get out of that position and potentially strengthen also always yeah. just to the plays into our biases, but <laughs> I <love it>. yeah, <laughs> always lifting.
0: And also like not worry. Like what you said yeah. before, is like when you are sitting you're sitting and now you're, the signals are reaching a conscious level and then you're like, Oh shit, I feel tight. Oh no, mm-hmm. worrying about it. Something must be wrong. My hip flexors. And it's like mm-hmm. this downward spiral. And then you worry about it and you associate it with something negative negative and now those tissues start to feel like be painful and mm-hmm. it's like you just took this way too far yeah. because of who knows like x y and z yeah. also like your cultural beliefs and your foundational beliefs or like your worries and your fears and everything that mm-hmm. makes you as a human
1: yeah like I, so, like I, I deadlifted relatively heavy yesterday and like my low back feels tight as shit right now yeah. um i can still touch my toes and basically all that tightness sensation is telling me is how like hey don't deadlift heavy again today you know it's It's like that little bit of a warning signal, like, hey, you put a lot of stress through yourself. Like, you're aware of, I'm aware of my back right now. It's not pain. It's not catastrophizing. I didn't damage anything. This is normal. Um,
0: Exactly. In a day
1: or two, it'll feel normal again. How
0: do we get everyone to feel that way?
1: Yeah. I think it's just experiencing it over time and then just being educated on it. Yeah. Like, how do we
0: educate people enough to not interpret that low back tightness, mm -hmm. you know, the low back pump as a negative thing? Or like the knee tightness. Like I did Mm -hmm. a lot of squats and then I reached down to get my dog food out and my knees are like, "Eh." and I'm like, it's fine. Like my knees are fine. Mm -hmm. I just know I did a lot and I probably shouldn't squat today, Mm -hmm. but that we don't interpret it as something that's wrong. Mm -hmm. But even sometimes, even sometimes do, right? Like even like pain is like fatigue is different than pain, but sometimes you're like, oh, it's not fatigue. Mm -hmm. It's pain. And we are, I mean, obviously I'm newer in the field, but like you've been in the field for a while, very educated, like you do all this research, you like constantly look into these things. And so if it's taking us this long to like accept this and we still struggle with it, like that's what we're trying to get our patients to understand too. Mm. And it's just like, like, do we need to, how do we do that?
1: Yeah. I think just building trust and I don't know. Also, you just like try something for a while and it works and it's like, oh, this is my new schema. This is my new model of how the world is, Mm, you know, the schemas. schemas, Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Like someone who stretches all the time and then I'm like, okay, well, what if we try this shrink training, Mm -hmm. you know? And they're like, oh, this actually feels so much better. Mm -hmm. But then they go back to like, oh, well, do I need to stretch? I'm like, oh no, I thought I had it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and, like stretching is pretty neutral, you know, it's not going to damage anything unless they're, they go nuts on it. But it's also... If I ha- if you have limited time to do something and you have to pick between strength training and stretching, like there's a very clear winner in yeah. that. It's not stretching. So yeah, oh, um, yeah, yeah. Sure. if you have like hours a day to do whatever you want to, yeah, stretch a bit. That's cool.
0: Well, and, and flexibility is currently a what is it like on the the list of ten like aspects of fitness or something mm-hmm. like that. And in I mean, CrossFit, yeah. Well, in anything like yeah. the, the sit and reach test in PE school. Yeah. And, um, I think I think it was clinical athlete. They had a, a podcast of. The case for like dismissing flexibility as Mm -hmm. this is I'm butchering the title, but like pretty much like flexibility does not predict anything about mortality or anything related to health. Mm -hmm. So like, why are we putting so much emphasis on it Mm -hmm. when it's not really like, it's not, that's not it. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll wait the podcast. I just listened to it. It was really good. I can't Mm -hmm. remember. I don't remember the name. I just always, I think it's funny. Like people come in and they're like, oh, I guess I need to stretch. Like, Mm -hmm. and I, I end up like figuring out that they, they're like, oh, I hate stretching. Like, I don't want to do it. And I'm like, I'm like, good news. You don't have to. And they're like, oh my God, really? Like, thank you. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Like, but you can strength train instead. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Don't want to do that either. Okay. Last thing about (laughs)
0: stretching and mobility. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, which is also a topic. Like what is stretching? Which is, what Mm -hmm. is mobility? I would say everything you do in life is kind of mobility, Mm -hmm. right? Do you remember like the banded mobility exercise, yeah. like on the oh, ring? Yeah, yeah. So Kelly like, Story like, style.
1: Yeah, like supple leopard.
0: Yes. Oh god. Yeah. Um, sorry, Kelly. Like if we, he's not listening
1: to this. <laughs> that guy is so much bigger than I <laughs> No,
0: I know, I know. <laughs> no, but I think we're meeting him soon. I don't know. Yeah. But so if we we accepted, you know, I think most of us had accepted that our hands are not making these like tissue changes. Our hands mm-hmm. are making these like temporary nervous system changes so mm-hmm. why do we think bands are also making tissue changes like why do i yeah. think that putting a banner on my hip and like having it pull me is is a joint mobilization
1: mm-hmm. so i will say like if you like and, and you've been through it in pt school like if you uh do like the band lateral hip distract not band but like a the, the belt. Gait belt around yeah. the hip and you do, like a lateral hip distraction it feels good like yeah. the axis distraction feels good you're kind of like you're you're pulling on the joint capsule a little bit and like it just it feels kinda nice. Your nervous system likes how it feels. It lets muscles kinda calm down a little bit, less guarding and stuff. And so the band I think is supposed to simulate that while mm-hmm. stretching, and it some most done does an okay job, but it's for sure it's not changing tissue. Yeah. Anything tissue. It's just another nervous system input to temporarily achieve a range of motion that you couldn't before. So like yeah. and that's like if you so I, I had a really hard time squatting below parallel for a long time. Because really? so my hips were... Yeah, my hips and my... My whole body is just not <laughs> just flexible. So pressure. I did do the um, the supple leopard world's greatest stretch. Like the yeah. the lunge hip flex or hip whatever stretch. Yeah. Um, I would do that every single time before I squatted. Um, but then I would like max out my front squat every day too, you know. So oh. I, like stretch, I can get in this range of yeah. motion. Lift very, very, very heavy. Um, and like within a year, like my squats... I mean, I, I can't, like, put my butt on the ground, but it's a pretty decent squat, you know, so... What about um, your shoulders? I don't put enough work into those. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm kind of okay it's with about my, your
0: shoulder flexion. Yeah. I need there yeah. to be a study, and there might already be, of one person, and obviously every control variable is the mm-hmm. same. One person only does the banded mobility or stretching, and mm-hmm. the other person does those things, but then loads it. Yeah. Like
1: squats. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. To see, to see the difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah or just to be able to prove it. Mm -hmm. All right, I feel like that's enough on stretching mobility. Do you feel good about that? I feel good about it. Okay, so next, rice. So Mm -hmm. this is rest, ice, compression, elevation. This is like Mm -hmm. what we're taught in school. This is what everyone thinks you should do. Mm -hmm. For an acute injury, oh, you rest it, you put ice on it, you compress it, and you elevate it. Mm -hmm. I think this is most widely applied to ankle Mm sprains. Um, maybe that because that's like the most injured thing in sports or that we probably see, right? right? Yeah. And it's like also the easiest thing to elevate, mm-hmm. probably. But recently, like we are finding that rice is not the answer, mm-hmm. and that at least like maybe the first day, like maybe you should rest if you sprain mm-hmm. your ankle. Like maybe don't go back into the game. But like people are applying yeah. rice to like two to three weeks out. Yeah, and it's like well, I've been icing it. Why isn't it getting any better? Mm-hmm. So, let's dive into that. So, like, right. first, I also saw this thing that was, like, instead of rice, you should do meat, and it was, like, movement, exercise, oh, God, analgesics, which, like, I don't know, and then some tea. I can't remember what the tea was, but I thought that was funny.
1: So, I saw one that was a uh, police, and I can't remember yeah. what the tea is. Oh, man. It was something, optimal loading, mm. uh, compression elevation. Oh, man.
0: So let's talk about rest first. Yep. So the right. R. Okay. The so. worst
1: the worst part of rice is rest. Yeah, that's the right. one that we need to throw away.
0: I feel like ice is what we should throw away. Yeah. I feel like all of it. At least ice
1: is a fairly neutral effect. Like rest will actively too much rest will actively make it worse, right? So like optimal loading and that very that's very different injury to injury, person to person. But if you sprain your ankle and you just put it up in the air for two weeks and, like, walk around in crutches and don't use it, like, your ankle's going to be way worse than it would have if you just did some basic range of motion for a few days and, like, you know, did some, like, light walking on it for a few days and then started doing some, like, calf raises and some, like, ankle inversions, eversions so against not, the So not a boot? And-
0: you don't want to wear a boot?
1: Ooh, no, no. Yo, F the boot. My favorite thing in the world is a boot.
0: <laughs> yeah, like um, if you have an injury, I get it that you that it's painful, right? But like yeah. the most important thing is finding ways to move that are in that tolerable amount of mm-hmm. pain. Otherwise, like you can become even more sensitized to movement overall mm-hmm. and like add more problems, right? So like things that may not ever have been involved are now involved because now everything is so sensitive to quote unquote like protect this Mm. ankle because you're not moving it at all so you're kind of feeding into this like oh well i have pain i should not move it okay Mm. well i'm not going to move it so now i do have pain whenever i try to move it it's just like this cycle and that's why we see like chronic ankle pain Mm. or like chronic back pain like the whole fear avoidance of movement and like chronic sensitivity Mm. and so instead of resting it Find, yeah, find any graded way to move it so that you, one, don't lose range of motion and then you don't lose strength, like, as much as possible. Because what you, the, I feel like the biggest problem we see, especially with the, the boot, mm-hmm. is that people wear the boot and then they take the boot off and they're worse than before. Because yeah. they haven't put any load through their ankle and their foot, which is what you said before. Like, we usually get constant load walking, doing all these things. So if you take that away, it's going to adapt to that and it's going to adapt to be weaker.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The boot keeps you in one position. So if you already have an inflammatory response trying to heal tissue and when, when that tissue starts to heal, it's going to be, be a very stiff joint. Like that's going to be actual stiffness, right? Um, actual tightness. Um, the boot has about a 66% um, rate of injuring other parts of your body. So whether that's your knee on the same side or other side, Great. your low back. Yeah, like 66% of people who are in a boot for more than a month are going to injure a different part of their body to the same level of pain or greater than the actual foot or ankle injury. Um it doesn't necessarily even for stress fractures so like fifth metatarsal stress fracture is the little bone on the outside of your foot it doesn't uh it only heals th- that about a week faster than just like wearing a firm-soled shoe does so if you as long as you're not like running and jumping on it like you wear a firm-soled shoe it takes about a week longer to actually heal the stress fracture it's like 8.6 versus 7.2 weeks or something like that mm-hmm. in in this one study um Which isn't bad, and then your foot's not just, like, a blob of useless tissue at the end of that. Um, I had a patient – we're going off on a boot tangent, sorry. I'll I'll try to be fast about it. Yeah, I have a patient who had a stress fracture. She was put in a boot for two months, um, came out of the boot, and immediately sprained her ankle. So now she has a stress fracture and an ankle sprain, and her entire ankle hurts now. So, like, it's just not a – unless you're post-surgical or you, like, cannot – heal your, your stress fracture or whatever other fracture in your foot, like unless your foot actually needs to be immobilized, don't immobilize it. An ankle sprain is not caused to immobilize.
0: So that's the Uh, thing is that people are like, Oh, I feel like I should rest it because I'm afraid I'm going to damage it further. Mm -hmm. And then we dive in this rabbit hole of like, well, what is damage also? Mm -hmm. Did you actually damage it or whatever you think is damage? Mm -hmm. Or is it just a simple like load versus capacity thing? You Mm -hmm. took it a little bit too far that, like, people all the time, like, I feel like we get most people that come in here and they're like, oh, hmm. like, I can move? Like, that's all I yeah. need to hear is that I'm not going to damage it.
1: Yeah, and that's, like, tissues, as they're healing, respond to mechanical loading by becoming stronger along those lines of mechanical tension. And so if you don't load your ankle at all, when, when things heal, it doesn't heal very strong. Um, and that's really like, that's a, just generally for your entire body. Right. So it's not just the ankle, but yeah. like if you sprain your ATFL and you gently load it and keep pain to like a three to four out of 10 or less, and like there, it's not per, not perfect guidelines. Um, cause there's only like a study or two looking at that, but that is kind of what PTs are, are on board with right now. Like, you know, tolerable pain, yellow light pain, so it's not like, oh my god, I'm gonna die if I put weight on this. Just
0: like an awareness. Um, minimal discomfort. Yeah, minimal
1: discomfort and you load it within that minimal discomfort, it's gonna heal stronger than it did before, and then hopefully you don't have like chronic ankle sprains for the yeah. next decade of your life.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Like take advantage of the healing and the, mm. the inflammation that is there to like get in there and make it stronger so mm. that it adapts to become stronger, not weaker. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should make our own acronym. Ooh, okay, yeah. so what would our replacement for rice be? Movement, right? Yeah. Okay, so in. All right, we're going to see what all we right. come up with. Yep, all right. Okay, um, let's talk about ice. Okay, so... Personally, I think ice is miserable.
1: Yeah, I don't enjoy it. Um, and so I'm like,
0: after an injury, if you want to feel good, like, why would you do that? Some people like it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, so the reason for it is people are like, oh, well, I need to stop the inflammation. Mm-hmm, which is not what you want to do. So first of all, exactly, you don't want to stop the inflammation... And also ice barely even does that, right?
1: So yeah, if you apply ice to the surface of your skin, it changes the temperature a little bit to like maybe a quarter to a half inch deep. So like ATFL, pretty close to the surface, maybe it changes the temperature a little bit. It's questionable whether that minor temperature change does decrease inflammation, but let's just kind of say it does. Um, You still probably don't want to necessarily decrease the inflammatory response when it's healing because that's the point of the inflammatory response is to help heal it. Um, and even though it hurts, like that pain is on purpose. It's telling you like, Hey, don't go do something stupid with your ankle right now. You know, like optimal load it. Don't go sprint hundred meters as fast as you can right after an ankle sprain. Um, so like an ice pack might feel good on the surface of the skin because it, it makes you pay attention oh, to gate that. Control, gate theory. control theory. Yeah. Um, so it'll, it is, it's a stimulus. It's a sensory experience your brain is paying attention to instead of the ankle sprain. So like maybe from a, Sensory experience standpoint could be okay. I would rather do heat, like heat. Yeah, nice heat packs feel good. I would
0: rather drink.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that would do um, the same thing. Yeah, you can get more aggressive with ice, so you can do an ice bath, oh. right? Like submerge the ankle in ice water. So that again does that that has been shown uh, a few times in the last couple of years to decrease long term adaptation to exercise. If it decreases adaptation to exercise, it probably slows down the actual recovery from injury so why would process you want too. That? You don't, exactly. but it doesn't. It does increase acute performance. So it it does yeah, if yeah. if you submerge your limb in an ice bath, it lowers the temperature of that limb enough that it does decrease the inflammatory response. It does decrease soreness by the next day, and you can perform a little bit better the next day. But if you do that repeatedly and you do it after every training session, you don't adapt as much to that training long term. So. Oh man! If you're like in the Olympics and you're Carrie, Carrie Strug was that her name? I don't know. She was awesome. Um, and you just sprained your ankle, and you have to get a 10 out of 10 for the Olymp- U.S. Olympic team to win the yeah. Olympics. Like, probably ice bath your ankle. You know, well, that's there's cool. There's a lot on
0: the line. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot
1: on the line. You're you're now emblazoned in American history as the greatest gymnast ever, or whatever. Um, Otherwise, totally worth it, right? Yeah. Yeah, but if you sprained your ankle in high school football then you probably shouldn't be ice bathing it. You should be trying to make it strong over the course of like four to six weeks. And, uh,
0: so the problem with ice, mm-hmm. people think that ice hinders inflammation, which mm-hmm. is wrong, but also what's even more wrong is that we don't want that inflammation. Mm-hmm. What ice does is make it temporarily feel different than the pain than what you're currently feeling. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, when you have a mosquito bite, and it's really itchy, and so you like mm-hmm. dig your fingernail into it. It feels better. It yeah, it's worse. like it hurts, but you're like, yes, it doesn't yeah. itch anymore. Like that classic example of gate control theory. And mm-hmm. also the fact that you prefer that like pinching fingernail feeling over than mm-hmm. over itching is, is weird um too. Yeah. So that's essentially what you're doing with ice. Um, I do remember when I was really sore and I was like, Nate I need to squat tomorrow and you were like, go take an ice bath. I was yeah. like, I'm definitely not going to do that. So yeah,
1: you. I can't tolerate. No, we did that. Like in exercise science, we had to put our oh hands in ice water and like people were in there for five minutes. I'm like 20 seconds. They yeah. Like, uh, I'm out. No. I'm cool.
0: Okay. So what yeah. are we going to replace the I with? Uh, I
1: want to
0: make an acronym and it's just all M. And so it's movement and it's, M. Mm.
1: Mm. Mm. <laughs> I think that's probably the best acronym.
0: <laughs> movement, 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 movement. Yep. Optimal yep. loading. So maybe okay. Yeah. What, what do we replace I with? Uh, just take loading? it out,
1: I guess. Okay,
0: so we yeah. might have a shorter acronym. Yeah. Okay. Um, compression.
1: Compression. Um,
0: what, if even, what is that even for? Like blood flow?
1: I guess like yeah. To, to help like lymph... So, so and, and if your joint gets huge, it's hard to move it. Um, so yeah. compression so does feel swelling. good for sure. Yeah, um, That's
0: what the last two are for, swelling.
1: Yeah, swelling, okay. basically. So can take it or leave it, honestly. It's probably, unless you're like cutting blood flow off, it's, it's probably pretty neutral.
0: But what um, is a more beneficial way to prevent or decrease swelling? Movement. Okay, yeah. we got another limb. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, your muscles act as pumps. They help pump yes. <laughs> fluid out of out of areas. They help venous return. Um, they help lymph lymph flow. Um, so
0: instead of sitting there with an ice pack on your limb on the couch, elevated with like a bunch of tape or whatever you're compressing it with, yeah, you have mm, mm, you have movement. Yeah. Okay, what about and so? The knee? And I do
1: want to throw out there too, like stuff like kinesio tape after an acute ankle sprain can feel good, right? Yeah. And so it does. It does compress down on the skin a little bit. It's not making the joint more stable, but, like, it's not wrong to feel good. And especially, like, tape is probably a better – or, like, compression is probably a better option than ice because it's not slowing down the adaptive process or at least okay. an ice bath. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it's it's probably fairly neutral to useless for the actual tissue healing. So
0: it's almost like stretching.
1: Almost like stretching. It's like there's
0: yeah. something that you could be doing that's better.
1: Yeah. So And and there is value in just feeling better. Yeah. But it's not making you heal faster.
0: Yeah. And so, it's not like 24 yeah. hours a day you need to be doing the most efficient yeah, yeah. thing. Like there is, like you said, value in doing something that feels mm-hmm. good and value in like taking a break. Yeah. And just doing what you feel in that mm-hmm. moment. So that's different.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. What about elevation?
1: Elevation is the... Same thing, right? So you're you're basically helping to return fluid back out of the limb because you're not using the muscle. Like your your calf is a associate it's an ankle sprain again. Your calf helps for venous return. Your calf contracts and it squeezes blood back out of it, it squeezes limb fluid back out of your out of your ankle. If you're resting, then you probably need to be elevating because your muscles aren't doing anything, and it's gonna you're gonna get a lot of fluid. It's gonna hurt a lot, but if you're optimally loading if you're moving mm, mm, mm. yeah then you probably don't need to be elevated that much so if you like sprain your ankle and then you go sit on an airplane for six hours uh, it's yeah. not going to be great right but you can't elevate on an airplane anyway Ooh, so but you're elevated yeah so you're you could sit there on the airplane and do like seated calf raises and that would probably be helpful <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Very real world <laughs> yeah okay
0: so we have two options we have mm or we have mulm which is movement, Ooh. optimal loading, movement. What do you like better? <sighs> mulm. I kind
1: of like, like mulm. It's fun to say. Mol. All right.
0: So this is our new recommendation for treating acute injuries. It's mulm. Mm-hmm. Or mm. Whatever mm-hmm. helps you remember it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's hard to remember. It's very catchy, though. It's, mm. it's almost as catchy as rice. Yeah, no. Or no. police or meat. Yeah, so. which
0: I still don't remember what they stand for. Yeah. So we're not going to get to knee valgus because we talk way too oh, much, no. and you actually have to treat a patient. So we will be back with knee have valgus. To work. All right. Yeah, you have to work and actually do what we talk about all day. <laughs> yeah. So
1: all we'll th- talk about knee valgus next time.
0: Yeah, I think we need to cut it to, to two topics. Apparently. Okay. Yeah. All right, everyone, um, stay tuned for knee valgus, the knee bola caving in your knees. Everybody, right. thanks for listening. Dooms. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.